Sure, hola, and yes, I guess hello. Um, this is the Mr. Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Jacob Dupree, aka the Commissioner, accompanied by my always very special air quotes accomplice, Chance, and also a, a good ginger fellow. I think that's what I'm gonna go with Taylor, uh, like the Triple G's, a, a good ginger fellow. Hello, hello. But um, I mean, nothing crazy's happened on this Monday, which you know we have recorded. It's uh, April 24th. Uh, we'll start with the real important thing. Jamison Williams got suspended <clears throat> for six games. Um, hey, fun fact for you. Did you guys know that he has many suspensions as he does career receptions? Stop it. Stop it. I'm just saying. Oh, he has two. He has double the amount of touches as suspensions, which is two, by the way. You love trashing on people you don't like. I do. It's fun. <laughs> if, if it's not Jamison Williams or um, my good buddy, uh, what's his Lamar. name down in? Uh, yeah, exactly. Lamar. Yep. We can keep going if we want to, but um, but yeah, no. I mean, he'll be back after six games. Just know that if you just traded for him in dynasty circles, <clears throat> chance. He's probably going to be skating on thin ice with the league for a hot minute because Lord knows if he does something like that again, it could be a full season suspension. I don't know. The NFL is weird with their suspensions. Like the quotation I saw was you can bet on games, just not in the facility of the team, which apparently he bet on a non NFL game while in the facility of the lions, which to me, I'm like, no, why it doesn't impact them. I don't know. I don't know. I- it 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 it's bonkers how the rules work it's like well if you're in the building on a tuesday in the off season it counts it makes no sense well i'm like but what if they're in a state that's legal i this goes back to my argument about how they do now this is a, a different discussion but you know how they talk about that if um i think it's the nba if you play in a state that is non-state income tax only your home games you get non-state income tax. And then depending on what state you're in for away games, depends on whether or not you get uh, state income tax removed. And then here's another caveat. If you play in Toronto, you also have the queen dipping into your pocket. So wow. my whole point behind this convolution thing <clears throat> is the same issue that I have with the gambling. It's like, all right, so if I'm in New Jersey, if I'm in Tennessee, if I'm in Michigan, oh wait, you can gamble in Michigan. So what's the big deal? Like, Sorry, as a Jamison Williams owner, I'm a little biased here, but still, it's. I just think it's ludicrous. I think it was ludicrous that they gave Calvin Ridley a year. Um, I think at most it should have been half a year, and I think with this it should have been like maybe two to three games. Like I, to put it in per, put to put it in perspective, we have people that have been accused of sexual assault, breaking their kids' arms. In, yeah, <laughs> six <laughs> games. The the fact that, that it's all in the same pool is ridiculous. We've had players assault other players with helmets. We've had yeah. and Dom Kinsu's step. Oh, we're in freaking Disney World whenever he curb stomped Matt Stafford. Now and they were on the same team for a hot second. But uh, Mason Rudolph almost lost his head. He did. Miles Garrett literally almost murdered a man. But we had players that broke the COVID ever changing rules, and most of them only got fined. Yeah, we're talking about star athletes. But listen, listen, it's the NFL. They do whatever they want to make more money. Um, (laughs) Now we're going to go talk about a super important trade that totally happened. Okay, Allen Robinson was traded to the Steelers, guys. Whoo wee! This is a thick one. Um, But A Rob and uh, the Los Angeles Rams go to Pittsburgh for Pittsburgh's seventh round pick. 
Um, the caveat here is the Rams are paying most of Allen Robinson's um, check for the season. Jance, is there any real dynasty implication? Like, I think the only arrow that's affected might be Van Jefferson. Like, you might see a slight uptick because now he's presumably the wide receiver too for that team. Yeah, I think you've you've about covered it. <laughs> I don't think it really hurts anybody on Pittsburgh. Really, I don't. And yes, maybe Van Jefferson takes a slight bump, but it's yeah, it is hard. It's hard to project anything sizable for for him when he's been in the league for quite a while and. For the most part, he's he's exclusively a deep threat. But if anybody wins in this trade, which I don't think probably anyone does, <laughs> he's the guy. Listen, that means I win because for some reason I checked like all my rosters and I've had Van Jefferson on the bench everywhere. I saw that he was trading. I was just like, that's a dub. I'm, I'm a happy camper now. Um, plus, all I can hope is the Rams are always down by 20 and trying to throw the ball deep. But anyways. Am um, I the only person that thinks that the Rams are playing 3D chess here? Let me no, explain. I, I think you are. Let, let me explain. All right. So they're paying for 10 million of his $15 million that's left on his salary for this year. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they move that dead money. They're getting a couple of late round draft picks for 2024. They, they know that one. they're. Hmm? They just swapped sevens this year. So they swap sevens. <clears throat> uh-huh. I think they're trying to move cap because they know their team is not going to be at that Super Bowl level. And uh-huh. they're trying to get a full reset for 2024. That's just me. I think they're playing it like the NBA. They're it's, they're playing with the the cap and the capology there. What, what I don't understand about opinion. this entire situation is, like you mentioned, Taylor. It, it seems as though all the moves they're making is to go into a full rebuild mm-hmm. with trading away Jalen Ramsey for what most of us was thought was less than market value. Oh yes, as a um, Dolphins fan, I appreciate it. <laughs> And obviously they don't have a first round pick and all this stuff, but yet they're holding on to Matt Stafford, which is kind of weird because he's he's obviously getting up there in age. You'd think ancient. If they were really, really going to rebuild, they would go ahead and see if there was a trade market for him, and they haven't. So it's just a weird. I can't figure out what the Rams are want to do. I mean, plus as far as we know, he could have been the Jets' break glass in case of emergency, in case an Aaron Rodgers trade didn't work out. But alas, professional segue. See what I did there. Um, some scrub named Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets. He's a nobody. <laughs> no one cares. Um, but Green Bay trades Aaron Rodgers, the 115 and the 2023 fifth round pick, which is 170th overall. The Jets trade uh, the 2023 13th overall pick. They're number 42, which is in the second round. They're 207 six and a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first round if Aaron Rodgers plays more than 65% of snaps. Now, I want to preface all of this by saying, yes, Garrett Wilson, it definitely increases his stock because we hope he has a quarterback that will be able to get him the ball. Because remember, non-Zach Wilson quarterbacks are great for Garrett Wilson. Um, I think I heard that like with the non-Garrett Wilson quarterbacks or non-Zach Wilson quarterbacks, Garrett Wilson was on pace for, I think it was 90 plus catches, 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns, which is obviously a top like five wide receiver season. That whole offense boons, it goes up. Um, Brees Hall, God bless America. Listen, he could flirt with running back one overall if he comes back and he's some, if he has some sort of health to him just because of what's going to happen. Um, I think we can all unilaterally agree. The Jets, it's going to be great for a couple of years. We'll see what happens later on. What I want to focus this conversation on is we'll talk about the Green Bay Packers side because that's where you have, I think, more of the mobile pieces. Because um, now you have Jordan Love, 
who had a great fourth quarter against the Eagles that didn't care because they were winning. Um, you have Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. Chance pointed out to me earlier in a text that was very astute that they apparently made it a point to get that 13 just ahead of the Patriots. Is that moving up for a wide receiver that they really like? Just because the receivers have been drafted and constantly being mocked going to pretty much that like 12 to 16 range. Um, and then there's a bunch of other picks and follow-throughs that happens. But I mean, like, we'll just start with Taylor. Green Bay, who is your favorite receiver as of right now with Jordan Love coming in? Just a quick 30-second jog on this. Christian Watson. Okay. And the reasoning for that is he has tremendous upside. He's able to, you know, he was able to kind of uh, square up some of the issues that he was having with dropping the balls early on. And not to mention that connection he had with Jordan Love in the Eagles game. I know they ended up losing that, that ball game, but the fact that they had that connection early on, if they're able to continue that repetition in the off season, uh, sky is the limit for him because obviously he's going to get the opportunity. Uh, Jance, let's slide your tinfoil hat on real quick. I want you to kind of expound on that thought that you had earlier when we were texting um, about, you know, what potential wide receiver do you think Green Bay might be looking at there? Because at 13, that's behind. Um, so 11 is Tennessee, 12 is Houston, and 13 is now going to be the Packers. We've seen a lot of mock drafts pretty much everywhere with Jackson Smith and Jigba going, you know, anywhere from Tennessee to Houston to, you know, kind of that then little, little back later on. So earlier you just had a good thought, and I just want you to kind of expound upon that for the peeps. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's no secret that that Green Bay, Houston, Patriots, all those teams that are now in consecutive order have been mocked a lot of receivers. Um, so it would make one think that Green Bay made that move specifically for that reason to try and get ahead of New England. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, perhaps they have two receivers they really like, and they'll just take the second of the two. Or perhaps they get, they plan to even move on from that third team. Maybe they use one of the picks they got in this trade and try and move up two or three more spots to get the best guy they have available. Um, we'll get into this later, but I think there are players that fit what they're missing better than others. Um, it seems like they have their two outside receivers pretty well locked up for this year in Dobbs and Christian Watson. So you would think that perhaps someone – over the middle might make more sense. Um, but I think clearly, which is very odd, isn't it, that Aaron Rodgers for years leading the Packers to deep in playoff runs and uh, deep in the playoff runs, yet for whatever reason, Green Bay would not, would not give him receivers. All of a sudden, it seems like Jordan Love is going to get all the help he could want. Uh, and so if that's the case... And I think that helps his upside. But to your point, I think this is totally for a receiver. Which one that ends up being, that is the that's the question everyone wants to know now. I do think and I do one hundred percent agree. I think it's hilarious that now that Aaron Rodgers is gonna get traded, what I cause after you started talking about that as my days kind of progressed, in my head I kind of thought of, you know, what team setting at ten and who is setting at ten, by the way? I forgot at the top of my head. It's not the Bears. That's the Eagles. That's the Eagles. Uh, why would the Eagles not take a trade of potentially like the 13 and the sixth round pick to move back three spots to let green Bay potentially take Jackson Smith and Jigba. And the Eagles will just keep getting richer at whatever they want at 13 because heck you could have Bijan, you could have the top tackle still sitting there. You can have the top defensive, like one of the defensive linemen still sitting there. The Eagles are just setting themselves up for a long-term success, which I know you Cowboys fans just cringe at hearing. Well, and that's the thing is, is if let's say they really do intend on taking running back, you could you could slot back 
three, four, five spots at that point, probably, and say if we still get your guy. So I think that's the move to watch to see if Green Bay actually wants to move up further and for sure get the number one pick. But as of now, I think it really sets up to be a three consecutive wide receiver run. It could be. It, it really could be. And after you said, like, once you brought that up, my mind, like, it just kept the wheels kept rolling. I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Now I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. And what I'm going to say is you should buy back into AJ Dillon. Um, Jordan Love coming in, by the way, that uh, fourth quarter was fantastic. He went six for nine on 113 yards and one touchdown. Had a perfect quarterback rating. But anyways, um, so future Hall of Famer Jordan Love. But I think this is the time to buy back into A.J. Dillon because potentially with Jordan Love maybe not coming in and being as polished, I think that Green Bay Packers team is going to have to rely more on the run game. And I know Aaron Rodgers or Aaron uh, Jones is still sitting around there. I would probably float out there mid to late second for A.J. Dillon to buy back in because like we saw in last episode, the hype for him was out of control and I was driving that ship and I'm the one who crashed it into a wall. I'm okay with saying that. But now this offense seems like it's at that point to where they're going to try to slow down, play a little bit more ball control with a decent offensive line and pretty decent defense. Um, but we'll see what happens. <clears throat> um, so is, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up about the Jets? Um, because obviously, you know, Garrett Wilson to the moon, Brees Hall, he's staying on the moon. Is there an ancillary piece that you get, like you guys want to add to this list? Like I checked my leaks for Tyler Conklin just for poops and gigs. Um, Taylor, do you have a specific person right off the top of your head? Well, I was just going to ask y'all, I'm going to pose your question with the question. I mean, is, is Alan, Alan Lazar going to be like a top 38 wide receiver? Is he going to finally reach his potential and get into that top 25? Chance, you've been an, you've been a, a Lazard boy a little bit longer than I have. I'll let you I, take the lead. Yeah, I think he's got a real possibility of being a solid wide receiver three because we know that Rodgers likes him. He specifically was intricate in bringing him to the Jets for a reason. So I think you need to be honest with yourself and realize he's probably never going to be a top 24 guy. But I think he in spots he can be usable for your fantasy team. What I was going to say is in Dynasty, if you have Aaron Rodgers, unless you are <laughs> trade. top two or three, I would be trading the heck out of him. And that's not just Aaron Rodgers. I large, I don't know what it is. I have no statistics to back this up. But this just feels like this season is going to go better for the Jets, but it's going to end in like a first-round exit type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's not forget, I know that Aaron Rodgers is only two years removed, I mean, only a year and a half removed from winning his last MVP, but he's still 39 years old and did seem to show signs of going downhill last year. So it's not to say that he's not good, not positive. I just think that on some of these players, perhaps, if somebody's viewing a Garrett Wilson as like a surefire elite top five receiver, like I've already made that trade. I don't, I don't regret yes, it. Maybe I, maybe I will in five months. <laughs> but just, just kind of look around and see if everybody's taking the cheese. And if it's out of this world, yeah. then it might be Wow, that was impressive. Um, I I will definitely say that there has to be a little bit of a thought in the back of every Aaron Rodgers mind of, remember last offseason when another great quarterback supposedly was traded to a team that people instantly thought was a Super Bowl contender with an amazing defense, a great young running back, a couple great receivers out there, at least one young great receiver. Yeah, how'd Russell Wilson's season go? I know that was a little different. But well, at the he, same he time, Ryan. yeah, even for the Colts, it was Matt Ryan. Ryan. Um, and it, then guess what? The guy who's calling plays for Russell Wilson, he's calling plays for Aaron Rodgers again in New York. So 
And remember, like, yes, Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers did have several good years in Green Bay, but still, like, it's not completely out of the realm. And I think the possibility is bigger than we kind of want to admit that this just absolutely flops. Everybody giggles just because if their offensive line can't keep Aaron Rodgers vertical, which was always his biggest complaint in Green Bay, it is what it is. Um, but I heard, I think it was, I was listening to the first pick or with the first pick podcast um, from CBS. Great podcast, by the way. Amazing draft content. Fantastic. Um, uh, Rick Spielman brought up a good point. He was like, okay, yeah, like how much he's going to complain with um, that Jets offensive line if they can't protect him. Because last year they were one of the worst in pass protection and run blocking. But then in the CBS podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I drive a lot. Um they brought up or Jamie Eisenberg brought up how that he would want to know the offensive line statistics when Brees Hall was healthy, because I do think that makes a big difference because the end of season stats can be so skewed based off of just statistical output. And we don't know, like offensive lines are changing every day, how they grade them and stuff like that. It's, it's big, crazy. Um, okay. Anything else that we're throwing out this, cause we're going to put pay an homage back to like one of our very first episodes episodes podcast whatever anything no we're good all right two head shakes let's get this party started all right so we're gonna go way back when this is our misfit perfect rookie fits where we're gonna kind of project before the draft which as the time this is released would be tomorrow on thursday and i am by the way very excited to see cowboys fans cry if they have the 101 and Bijan goes to philadelphia did y'all see the news conference today which news conference? The, the, the Cowboys news news conference. I, I watched a clip of it on the Rich Eisen. Oh, show. was it the whole we can't rule taking Bijan out? <laughs> no, no, that 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 piece will come later. But no, they were talking about okay. like their whole. So it was Jerry. You had Mike in the middle, and then you had Stephen on the other side. And Stephen was talking about you know the logistics of how you know if we're within six to eight p- picks of that player. You know we may trade up, and then Jerry splurts out Trading for Bijan. There it is. <laughs> No, he, he spurted out. He was like, drafting's not the issue. Issue, It's coaching. And he smacked Mike McCarthy in the arm. Oh and Mike, God. like, woke up. <laughs> he, like, just started chuckling and walked off. That's was like, funny. It was like, Jerry, it's like 1230 in the afternoon. How many margaritas have you had already, Dude, buddy? When you're as rich as he is, it doesn't matter. No, um, he is at that age where it's like, no filter. Listen, no I do. I work with the elderly daily. There is a certain age where all of a sudden they don't give two flying Fs. They just say what they want, how they want, and honestly grab what they want. And sometimes it's kind of weird. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so basically our perfect, perfect rookie fits is where we are taking into draft capital and kind of draft positioning a little bit, especially with like the elite tier guys, because that's where it's going to matter more. Um, but later on, it's kind of just where we feel like certain players can just fit and instantly have a dynasty impact for your squad. So guys, we're going to start off with quarterback position. Um, Bryce Young, Taylor, and I have Carolina. Chance has Houston. Chance, just say your spiel because I don't necessarily think it's right or wrong where each one goes. I think this is just, for me, I like Carolina's offensive line and probably talent on the edge a little bit more. But carry on. Yeah, well, Let's let's go with it this way. Is I actually agree with you, but what whenever we tried to do these rookie fits, part of it for me was understanding that obviously only one person can go one place. Mm-hmm. If I was a betting man, I would go with everybody else, assuming yeah. that Bryce Young's going to Carolina. The only reason I have him here in the in the rookie fits is simply because of the top four 
I, I think he profiles best to Houston simply because he's the best quarterback in this class at dealing with pressure. And I think Houston is by far, let's say by far, it's the worst situation of all of them. And so <laughs> yes. my concern, whether it's a CJ Stroud or an Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, going to Houston would make me slightly nervous because we don't want to see like a David lesser, Carr type of situation. Lesser talent or, going to like a horrible situation potentially. Right, right. To where they may be good players, but they just don't get the opportunity because they're just broken physically or mm-hmm. their confidence is just broken because they just don't have the offensive line or the players with which obviously they let themselves shine. Whereas Bryce Young, despite the fact that he was not playing with scrubs at Alabama by any means, yeah. he's shown himself perhaps the most most evasive in the pocket. Um, certainly dealing with, with blitzes and pressure, he does very well. So that was more the reason for that specific thing. But as far as betting with who's going to go where, go where, yes, more than likely Bryce Young to Carolina. But I think he would probably survive the best in Houston amongst the four, um, if you want to look at it that way. I will. We will throw out some crazy connect the dots here because Josh McCown did a series with the underdogs guy, underdog guys on uh, YouTube, and he said that I think he loves CJ Stroud like more than everybody by a lot. Josh McCown is on the Carolina Panthers coaching staff now. Just going to throw that out there. And, you know, they obviously they have a great head coach. I think I have high respect for Frank Reich. I think he kind of got hosed a little bit last season with what happened in Indianapolis. Um, but but yeah, no, like what I, I can't dispute what you said. I agree. I think it could be great. Um, Taylor, do you have I, anything I have, quick to add? Yeah, I just had a quick question for you, Jance. So do you think, sir, I'm guessing you feel pretty confident with CJ Stroud being able to evade the rush and kind of, you know, invoke more of his running ability because that was kind of always the knock was that he has the ability to run, but he never really showed it until that Georgia game. So do you think that that's going to be more so his DNA moving into the NFL? I think Stroud can run better than most people would give him credit for. Like you mentioned, he showed that in Georgia. And obviously I think, what we've heard with his 40 is that he can actually run in the high four or five. So it's very capable. I think for me, just from us watching the tape, um, if he has any sort of weakness, it's that on occasion he can be rushed when the, whenever mm-hmm. pressure comes, which is not a knock on him. That is for a lot of young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It's not a knock. Mm-hmm. It's just that he goes from playing Ohio State <clears throat> four elite, four to five elite receivers and offensive tackle. I think that's getting drafted in the first round, great offensive line, a lot of great weapons. I just think that it might be difficult for him or more difficult to go from that to what is Houston um, compared to where Carolina, where I think he would be fantastic because that mm-hmm. seems like a slightly more ready-made situation for somebody that might just need a little bit of help. Not much. 100%. Like I feel that I understand that. And I agree with that because even a quick shout out to Stroud, as we move on to CJ Stroud, I mean, he's probably played with some of the greatest wide receivers in the NCAA of all time, like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Ooh, yeah. Egbuka guy or whatever that's also there, who's going to be a first-round rookie pick next year. He's played with some of the best talent pretty much anyone has played with for multiple years. So there is that twinge in the back of people's minds of what if it was literally just carried by these first-round NFL talent receivers with first-round tackles. But at the same time, I'll always throw out there, we'd be more concerned if he didn't. The mm-hmm. fact that he did, sure. means he, he connected that dot a little bit. Um but Taylor and I are, yeah, Taylor and I both have CJ Stroud as good fit at Houston. Um, Jance has him in Carolina. I don't think there's much to say because we basically said it with Bryce Young. Honestly, you can interchange those top two. I'm, I'm not going to hate your decision. Yeah. Um, I just think it, the reason why I have 
CJ Stroud at two is because I had that dot connected to one of his receivers later on in this section we're going to talk about also being there. That's called foreshadowing. Um, we're going to move on to where the draft really starts. We're just going to kind of couple these guys. So I have Will Levis perfect fit at Indianapolis and Anthony Richardson's at Baltimore. Jantz has Will Levis at Tennessee and Anthony Richardson at Indiana in Indianapolis. And then Taylor has Will Levis at Tennessee and then a whole gob of people for, for Anthony Richardson with the Colts, the Seahawks, and also the Ravens. Um, so I think we'll start with Will Levis. He's super polarizing. Jantz and I have been going, had a long conversation once again in text form about Anthony Richardson and this and that. So we'll, we'll start with, and we'll go with actually Anthony Richardson first. I want you guys, we'll start with uh, Jantz. I want you to kind of give, give me your indie love because I'm probably going to say a lot of the same things for Will Levis, Indianapolis, as you will with cool. Anthony Richardson. So I think the Anthony Richardson is simple is that you want him to go to the situation where he's going to have the most help. And we just talked about it. Houston, a place like Houston would be, I wouldn't say terrible, but not ideal simply because we all agree that he needs work and needs refinement as a passer to be able to survive long-term in the NFL. Um, I think Houston offers him that best opportunity because they have a, what used to be great. Now I would still say at least a defensive, decent offensive line, good set of receivers, a great running game that they can lean on. Um, and obviously I think the best part of that is a new head coach in, in uh, Shane Seichen that mm-hmm. uh, obviously just helped get Jalen Hurts' career, get him paid. There also is another mobile quarterback. And so that's largely my reason for that. I think Atlanta would be another good landing spot, surprisingly enough. But um, sticking on the Houston, on the excuse me, on the Indianapolis train, you just want to give him as much help as possible. Because for someone like me who believes his long-term ceiling is great, he's got to be able to survive the first year or two to be able to get there. And you're not going to be able to do that in a situation to where it all has to revolve around him. I think the best thing that could happen for him is to get him into some easy play calls, get him working out of the play action, get him in the bootleg, allow them to use his legs. And the more weapons you can place around him and the more you can put around him to not make everything on his shoulders, the better for his development. And so that's largely why Indianapolis has been my favorite fit for him for a long time. Taylor, I want you to pick between. No, actually, you talk about Seattle because I have Baltimore on mine for Anthony Richardson. Why oh, come Seattle? On. <laughs> okay, so I, I think he would be a great fit in Indianapolis or Seattle, and the reasoning for that is uh, both situations are ripe for a young quarterback, and in this instance, with a young quarterback that has a high ceiling, high risk, high reward. Um, but at the same time, uh, going into a great situation offensively uh, where the, both offensive styles are run the ball, play defense, play to your defense, try to limit your turnovers. And I think that they would be able to do that with Anthony Richardson and doing similar to what I was talking about that they should have done with Trey Lance and what people have tried to replicate over the years um, with RG3 that happened in 2012, which is bootlegs trying to figure out some spread run options uh be able to to limit his passing very similar to what they did with uh, daniel jones this year i understand the wide receiver issues but if he gets to seattle he has two monsters of he's got dk metcalf and then he also has um tyler lockett right he hasn't retired correct no he's still he's still around okay i was just making sure i was like for some odd reason i thought he retired um, so being able to have two of those uh, kind of uh, 
security blankets there available for him in, in uh, Seattle. I think that would be a great fit for him. And the fact that he's got Ken Walker, the third behind him, you know, um, Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, play defense. They could Bobby hide Wagner's Anthony Richardson back. very well in that offense because he would not pass the ball very often. Yeah, exactly. Um, It'd be perfect. Before we get too crazy in this conversation, I think we all can agree, like, our favorite position for any of these rookie quarterbacks is probably going to be Indianapolis just because the team is ready to go today. Oh, yeah. You 100%. Have, we presume it's a good offensive line. I know last year was kind of rough, but I know they dealt with a couple injuries. They have a decent wide receiver on the outside, Michael Pittman Jr. They have a decent opposite side. I forgot who they signed already over the top of my head. But anyways, um, and they have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Like, that team is just ready. Um but so the reason why I have Will Levis at Indianapolis and I have, um, sorry, I forgot where I was going. I have Anthony Richardson at Baltimore. Obviously we see what they've done with Lamar. I think the same situation where he could still be a great athlete and a terrible passer and have success. Right. I'm not wrong in saying that. Jant sent me something earlier. It was kind of funny. He said, crazy thought. What the 49ers traded Trey Lance and something and got Lamar. I was like, why would you trade a mediocre quarterback for an even worse quarterback? I think it just doesn't make any sense. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I think if he went to Baltimore or Atlanta, like Chance said, that was actually like my first picks for Anthony Richardson. I think it would be kosher. Um, With Will Levis, the reason why I put him there is because I just feel like he's a more ready-to-go prospect today than Anthony Richardson. I feel like that team, for some reason, like they're still gearing up for success and – like Jant said with Shane Steichen, who just got Jalen Hurts' money, I feel like he could do a similar thing with Will Levis, who we all can agree. His release just looks like it's a warm knife cutting through butter. It's just so beautiful. It's just just there it is. I, there's, there's no words that can describe it right. Um, but so, I mean, Jantz, you have Will Levis in Tennessee. Go for it. Uh, Taylor, you also do. Well, Tennessee for me is simply because we, even today, we continue to hear more blurbs mm-hmm. about Ryan Tannehill's on the table. Uh, he's not necessarily, Tennessee's not necessarily shocking him, but they're to, not not. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we have to get rid of him, but we would, we would send him for, you know, a decent price. Mm-hmm. And so I think they, with what they've talked about with even having Derek Henry potential trades, I think clearly Tennessee realizes they are in rebuild mode. If that's the case. They're going to need a quarterback. And while, you know, I may have, reservations about Will Levis I think he still has a lot of upside and can certainly help a team and may even be more ready to go than Anthony Richardson and so if that's the case I think Tennessee makes a lot of sense they still have some weapons to pair him with with Traylon Burks if Derrick Henry's still there um, I'm blanking on the title yes so it, it was getting a lot of buzz so, I mean uh-huh. there are it's not it's not a barren cupboard so to speak to send somebody to. And that's why I think he would be better there than even Anthony Richardson, because once again, I think he needs some more help. Yeah. Um, and so it's more so that they have just been really in the last couple of days in the quarterback market, it sounds like. And so if, if the fourth guy, whomever that is, I don't think they're going to make it past Tennessee if it continues the way it's going. Well, let's get real crazy because we got a little bit of time in this first section. Um, let's just get real crazy with it. So we've heard Bryce Young to Carolina now for a couple of weeks. Like, I think that's kind of the consensus thought now is we moved on and that's kind of the thought. Then we've heard that Houston really doesn't like CJ Stroud, even though I think, and we think, I think as a unit, just think it's just draft day smoke. They're trying to generate someone to come get that pick and give them more um, assets to trade with or to have on their, to their use. Let's get real wild with it because Will Levis's betting odds went from being the 
like I think he went from being the second quarterback like plus a thousand to now he's the betting favorite at minus two fifty. Um, so we'll say the draft goes Bryce Young, Carolina at one. Number two, Will Levis. Number three, we'll say or three, who cares? Four is the Colts. We'll put CJ Stroud there. And then we'll put Anthony Richardson at Tennessee. Which where would you want to put him there? In this situation. Pretty much you're looking at if if he gets past Detroit and Seattle, who would obviously put him as a backup to start the season. Your next best chances is going to be, you would think Atlanta, but they continue to say it's not a chance. So that's I'll believe it when I see it. So Tennessee and the Bucks are probably your next best bet. Tennessee, the Bucks. I'll even throw the Raiders out there for kicks and giggles. <laughs> um, we'll just say the fantasy most applicable spot. We'll just say the Falcons. If it lands with Bryson, Carolina, Will Levis in Houston, CJ Stroud in Indianapolis, and Anthony Richardson in Atlanta. How are you ranking those four? Taylor, we'll go with you first. I'm probably putting CJ Stroud at one. I think he'd be rookie of the year if he plays for the Indianapolis Colts. And then you said Bryce Young going to Carolina. Uh So I'd have Bryce Young at two. Uh, I think he would have a tough year, but it would still show promise. I'd put three, um, Will Levis uh, with the Houston Texans, and then four, Anthony Richardson. That's obviously for super flex because, once again, I think we're unanimous. Yeah. In your single quarterback, you just tank Anthony Richardson at some point in the second if you want to and yeah. be happy with life. Yeah, for me, it's – you said Richardson in Atlanta. Is that correct? He is her. So, that's that's like my 1B to Indianapolis, which I think still is a great situation. It'd be tough, which I'm revealing myself a little bit here. It would probably be <laughs> ooh, Stroud in Indianapolis probably get the nod at one then Richardson, then Young, then Levis for me. Like, that's one of those things of, I'm terrified for our super flex drafts. If Anthony Richardson goes to the Colts, I'm scared because I don't like the player. I don't like the player, but I love the landing (laughs) spot. So in my super flex leagues where I have the chance to get him, trades will be open at that point. Um But I do you're think you're, you're hitting the emergency button. You're getting out of there. I'm hitting like the Willy Wonka in the Trollic factory. Hitting like, the I am ejecting the elevator Someone now. Someone come get me. Um, but I think if I was to rank those, I would, once again, I think I would agree with, um, I think Taylor said, I would go CJ Stroud uh, from Indy. Then I would go um, Bryce Young at Carolina. And then I would say Will Levis at Houston and then Anthony Richardson at Atlanta, just because yeah. I got to stay true to myself. You know, I just, I want to see him develop a little bit more. Um, But I mean, I don't really think there's anything else that's crazy that's happening in the NFL draft. I mean, I know like once again, we've got just a couple minutes here. Um, So like if Hendon Hooker goes, because now there's smoke that he might go to Seattle either at their second first round pick or heck, I saw something today where someone said that there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the top 12 because NFL teams love Hendon Hooker that much. What do you do with Hendon Hooker in that situation? You know, I know I don't necessarily have a spot for him, but mm. especially like in super flex leagues, like if he goes to either the Lions or if he goes to the Seahawks or if he goes to um, the Raiders or, you know, someone comes up to get him, like if he goes to one of those other spots, what do you do with him in your super flex drafts? Because you're uh, most likely not getting any production well, in the first year. Well, but... it just, for me, of all that we talk a lot about landing spots and it matters, but for me, quarterbacks hold their value better than most independent of draft spots because they can still eventually make a difference. I think more so. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I've got Hooker as my fourth quarterback, believe it or not. So he would probably still fall in that same section, assuming the landing spot isn't terrible. You know what I'm saying? If, if it's yeah, it's not the Eagles. Right. So if he has any semblance of opportunity to play within two years, he'd probably be my quarterback four. Where would I mean, you where would you draft him though? Like that's that's right. Like in a super flex draft. A super flex, I, I think because you know you're not gonna get any production year after, one. Yeah, I think when all said and done after this draft, by the time August comes around and blurbs start coming out, you won't be able to get Hooker in a super flex later than early second round. Taylor? No, I, I agree with that. He's gonna if he ends up getting drafted in the back half of the first, like the reports are going, and I'll take it even a step further. Here's a hot take. I think if talks do not go well over the next three days with Lamar, I think there's potential that they may draft him in the first round. Hendon Hooker. I, I think he may go to Baltimore there at that back half because they they cannot afford not to sign Lamar and the way that he's been playing hardball, it seems like he's getting more leverage and they're not going to willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth. I don't know. And, Do you think Hendon Hooker can beat up the Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley? Stop it. <laughs> It's a fact. He was in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, but you and I both know NFL GMs love potential, and they know what they have with Tyler Huntley, but Hendon Hooker is this mysterious present in a box. I love Hendon Hooker as much as the next person. I agree with you, Jance. I think he's definitely a top four quarterback, top five quarterback. I have him right there as like 4B. You know, I have him going back and forth there. But yeah, if he gets drafted in the first round, he's going to be at the back half of the second, possibly even jump up into the back half of the uh, the first round. I, I'm just going to say, if he gets drafted in the first round, you have to take him with a first-round pick, um, probably, preferably late late end, just because yeah. of the investment there. But, all right, professional segue. Now we're going to go to running backs. We'll start off with the name that everybody is dying to hear. Um, Bijan Robinson. Um, first off, I think it's going to be hilarious as a non-Cowboys fan with my fantasy league of Cowboys fans, if he goes to Philadelphia just to watch the toil and the tussle and the pain in their eyes, they have to cheer for an Eagle for the next four to five years. But anyways, so I actually have my perfect fit for Bijan um, in Atlanta. Chance has him in Philadelphia. And then Taylor, you have him at, come on, man, Dallas, Atlanta, and Tennessee. If they trade Derrick Henry, (laughs) quit sitting on the fence, pick one or two. Listen, listen here. I think he's going to Dallas if he lasts that long. If, if he lasts that long, Jerry cannot resist. I think Jerry's going to jump up in the first round. He's going to draft Bijan because he needs his star running back and they're not going to pay Tony Pollard. They're going to try to get Bijan. I think they're going to jump up probably in that mid 20 range. I think they're at 27 right now. If, if I remember correctly, 26. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and Jerry loves making a splash in the first round. They're going to trade up, and and they talked about it today, like I said on the first half. If there's an opportunity where they're within six to eight picks, they're gonna they're gonna go for it, and I think they're gonna draft Bijan. Yeah, and I mean, it would be nice to basically replace Ezekiel Elliott with him because even though that offensive line is getting older, I think that offense is yep. still gonna be productive. Chance, and- why do you have Bijan's perfect spot in Philadelphia? What's the matter so, with you? I thought so you're on my side. I would, I would, I would like to. See I mean, him you're in wearing Dallas a UT me. shirt for goodness sakes. What the hell? You like, you like that? <laughs> uh, so I have So first of all, when I came to the rest of these players, I tried my best not to overlap anybody. So not to have two guys in the same place. So 
All right, fine. <laughs> somewhat by default from the standpoint of, I think the running game is perhaps the most elite in Philadelphia, but it was unfortunate how it's been spread out the last couple of years between Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott and obviously Miles Sanders once he didn't get as many receptions as he did his rookie year. I think Bijan is obviously talented enough that they would just consolidate that and give him, you know, 80, 85% share of the um, the rushes and targets there, obviously, as far as the running back goes. If that's the case, he'd be totally elite. Um and so that's why I think it's the most logical landing spot. Obviously, that's paid probably 75% of mocks having going to Philadelphia. So I know it's chalky, but I think of all the running backs available, he would thrive the most in Philadelphia's system with what how they like to do things. Um, and as much as it would pain me as a Cowboys fan, um, as someone that may have Bijan at least one league, <laughs> I'd be equally as excited for fantasy. Oh man, it'd be it'd bring me so much joy to watch to watch an Eagles and Cowboys games with Cowboys fans who have Bijan on their dynasty roster both celebrate in joy and tears. Um, so I have him in Atlanta, and that's just because Arthur Smith wants to run the ball 674 times. I he mean, does. we saw what happened with Tyler Algier. He was, I think, a fifth round pick out of BYU last year, and they ran him frequently and often. Bijan is, is a significant step up. Is a significant step up. There it is. Um, to what Algier would be. Plus, then you kind of look at that team in that division. That's a bad division. Like they almost won it last year, but here they are picking at number what is it eight. Um, so yes, it would be hot if he got picked at eight, and they you know they'd be force feeding him a bunch of carries targets. And that's the thing is, is total usage. Then you've got it. That that would be the number one spot for total usage by far. And it, I mean, hey, opportunity is king in fantasy football. Um, plus, it, it, I I definitely can see if the if Bijan's still on the board and uh, the Jets are picking at fifteen, they're going to trade up just ahead of Washington and take him. I can feel it in my bones right now. Hear all the ire of Cowboys fans just exhale because there's so many more needs, but. It's fine. It's not my team. We forfeited our first round pick because Tom Brady just screwed us over, man. But it's fine. Whatever. Move on. You're, you're going to look good with the Tom Brady Dolphins jersey next year. I will, I refuse. Just like if Lamar was there, I refuse. Um, moving on to Jameer Gibbs. Now, interesting blurb that we've came out over the weekend at some point. Some NFL teams apparently have Jameer Gibbs rated higher than Bijan. I... I mean, we kind of talked about it. If if we squint hard enough, like we said in our text chain, if I squint hard enough, I can see the teams that have the more spread scheme uh, kind of, you know, making that play like, you know, Miami, for instance, because they have ancient running backs that are just fast, uh, New Orleans, Carolina, and even San Francisco to a degree. So I, I can kind of see it here and there, but I think it's mostly crazy. Yeah, it so, smells like manure to me. I do have a little caveat with my Jameer Gibbs pick. I said if Austin Eckler gets traded from the Chargers, please, for the love of God, that would be an amazing spot for him. It would just be kicks and giggles and great all around. But if Eckler is still there, I think Kansas City is going to be the hot landing spot for him. Um, Jance, you have Jameer Gibbs at the Chargers as well. And then, Taylor, you have him. You agree with me. It's the Chargers or Kansas City. Yeah. Um so what entices us about Jameer Gibbs going to the Chargers? Uh, Taylor, we'll start with you. Well, um, I mean, watching him his one year at Alabama, I mean, he was the offensive playmaker out of the backfield and pass catcher. He was the predominant pass catcher. 
and being able to watch his ability to be able to catch catch the ball out of the backfield and be able to make plays down the field also throughout the season. Uh, he'll fit in great with that Chargers team with with Justin Herbert and and be kind of an Austin Eckler 2.0. I don't think he runs between the tackles as well as Austin Eckler, but I still think that's something that he's if he's able to put some weight on him, be able to kind of build himself up. I mean, obviously you can't change the the stripes of a zebra, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can't improve on your uh, weaknesses. So I, I think he has the ability to be able to do that and, and be a you know top 10 running back in fantasy. Chance. Yeah, I think it's a lot of what Taylor just said, that he's he's the closest you're going to get to an Austin Eckler replacement as far as stylistically. Um, what we haven't talked about is obviously changing offensive coordinators to mm, Kellen Moore. Moore. Obviously, he used Tony Pollard in a lot of ways, a lot in the passing game, which just makes it that much more enticing. For me, it's it's, it's the Chargers, regardless of where Austin Eckler goes this season. Obviously, if you're if you have Jameer Gibbs, you would like for him to get all the touches immediately, and that would be certainly more advantageous. But I think they would still he would still force his way into a decent timeshare to where he could be usable this year. Then obviously the long the long term outlook would be fantastic. Um, and so getting him in a system that sees what he is and utilizes him, especially as a pass catcher, is where he needs to be. And it doesn't get much better than the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't dispute with that. Even if they, he was splitting with Austin Eckler, I do still think that'd be great because I think we can all agree Eckler is great fantasy asset, but he's kind of getting long in the tooth. He's probably going to be playing somewhere else next year. Jameer Gibbs with a year under Kellen Moore offense coming into 2024. Sweet, merciful God. Um, I also threw out Kansas City there just because I feel like they could rectify the wrong of Clyde Edwards-Alaire and take an actually talented running back in the first round. Um, yes, this would be the death of Isaiah Pacheco hopes. I think he would clean up and kind of get maybe some of those short yardage yardage work, but I think Jameer Gibbs would be able to firmly assert himself because like you've been hearing all off season, he's an amazing route runner. He's basically a slot receiver that comes out of the backfield. And also he's amazingly quick. Um, I think that would slip right in and be great with Kansas city. Um, someone remind me after we talk about Zach Charbonnet, that I have a question for us. It's going to be fun. Um, moving on to Zach Charbonnet. Um, I have him in Cincinnati. Jance has him in Cincinnati. And then Taylor, you have him uh, in Cincinnati as well. Like that's pretty much agreed across the board. Um, yep. We'll say even if Mixon is there, why would we still want Charbonnet if Mixon is there? Um, whoever talks first can go. Well, I, I think Charbonnet could easily wedge himself into that timeshare and even by the end of the season be the more effective back. Um, because we've seen Joe Mixon on at least on the slide decline as of recently, mm-hmm. and obviously with what we've heard outside of football, it hasn't yeah. been all pitchy keen factor in the contract situation. But I think for me, it's more the fact that the Bengals are one of the few teams in the NFL that has shown um, a tendency to still use a player like a bell cow back. There's not many of those franchises left, and Charbonnet is one of the very few players in this draft class that still has the body type and rushing style that boy. he could be one of those guys. And so since there's not a lot of places like that and we want him to be on an offense that's obviously going to score a lot of points, um, Cincinnati, I think, is the clear play there. He is definitely a big boy. Um, I also threw on there that if Mixon is still in Cincinnati, I would like him in Dallas. I just think he could be the absolute thunder to the Tony Pollard Lightning to borrow a Taylor line. Um, I think that'd be great. Okay, but now that we're done with that, 
Would you rather have on your dynasty roster Zach Charbonnet in Cincinnati without Joe Mixon, Jameer Gibbs in Los Angeles without Austin Eckler? Because I feel like there is a case to be made both ways. Yeah. I think Jameer Gibbs is obviously the more explosive athlete, and you'll probably get more boom games. But I think that the floor is non-existent on the game for he just doesn't touch the ball for whatever reason, just isn't good. Mm-hmm. Zach Charbonnet, I feel like he's going to be always be the higher floor, the steady Eddie. Yes, with some spike games, but probably not like the absolute punch your opponent's team in the nuts or the face kind of like scoring output. Um, so like just real quick, because you're looking at pretty much the 102 is where you're making a decision between wherever JSN lands, wherever Zach Charbonnet, and wherever um, Jameer Gibbs goes. By the way, sitting at 104 in our OG, I'm steadily liking it more and more. Um, Chance, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with you. Who would you rather have, Jameer Gibbs with the Chargers and the like thumbs-up situation or Charbonnet in Cincinnati? Yeah, it, it would obviously be very close. Um, since they would both be going to what we just discussed is their ideal landing spots for each player, if you want to – have a tiebreaker of sorts for me. It's going to go to who I think is the better prospect. And in that case, it's Actually, slightly it's Gibbs. It's slightly, it's slightly Gibbs for me. And so in that situation, he would get the tiebreaker, but there are so many things that could happen in camp between the blurbs we're getting the um, preseason performance training camp that could change that. But considering all things equal, um, I would probably still keep it the same. Taylor. No, I, I agree with that. I think the tiebreaker goes to Gibbs, even though I think the the better quarterback is in Cincinnati. But I also feel like there's more firepower on the outside with uh, T. Higgins and, of course, Jamar Chase, where I think, the like you said, it, uh, Zach Charbonnet is going to be more steady Eddie. He's going to have his pops here and there. But, you know, the potential for, for Gibbs to be that top 10, top five running back is definitely higher and um in LA versus what Charbonnet has in Cincinnati. Well it's fine because I'd rather have Charbonnet in Cincinnati because the touchdown opportunities because of having Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins on the roster for more years, I could see him scoring 15 touchdowns more so than I could Jameer Gibbs. Um, but that's just slight difference. I would be happy with either. I'm dropping those hints out in OG now because one guy isn't here that drafts in front of me twice. No once. Haha <laughs> you traded those picks, punk. Um but now we're going to move on to two guys that we kind of chose as kind of off the beaten path a little bit. We'll be quick with them. I chose Israel Botaconda. You knew it was coming if you know me. I would love it if he went to Miami um, in one of their few picks just because the type of runner that he is. He is a one-cut home run threat. And I think with just a little bit of education from the <clears throat> elder statesman with the Dolphins, with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, I think he could be a true difference maker in fantasy that you might be able to get in you know, if he goes in Miami, I wouldn't be ashamed to draft him at the back half of the first round if it's in, like, you know, the third-round draft capital. Um, I also have New Orleans listed just because they're a good one-cut team. Um, I threw out, threw down Roshan Johnson. I think he'd be great in Dallas. Once again, just a compliment to Tony Pollard, who could take the reins next season if they don't re-sign Tony Pollard, which Jerry Jones probably won't. Um, I also have Arizona listed just because James Conner is older in that team. We would surmise to be better – in 2024, and I still think he'd give you a useful 2023. Uh, Jance, who are the two guys that you have listed down? Ooh, you guys get to fight about one. That's fine by me. Yeah, so I actually had three more running backs. Uh, Tajay Spears was, was the first one for me to Arizona. Uh, this one's pretty simple. Obviously, he's probably my running back four or five in this class, but um, it doesn't get enough credit for how much, what kind of contact balance he has as well as what he can do between the tackles, can catch the ball a little bit. 
We know that James Conner is coming to the what we perceive as the end of his productive career as a running yeah. back. And so it'd be a great situation to incorporate him in the offense, get him some touches, and then come next year he can be somebody that can take over at running back. I've got Kendra Miller, who I like a ton, um, going to Tennessee. The comparison between him and Derrick Henry is pretty evident. I'm not saying he is <laughs> Derrick Henry. I'm simply saying he's a bigger back who wins on contact balance and breaking tackles. And so it makes sense that if they are going to move away from Derrick Henry this year or next, go ahead and get a guy that you can stylistically fit into your offense and run very similarly. And lastly, I have Tank Bigsby to Dallas. If Dallas wants to be much more economic in their running back search, something that if I'm being honest, they probably should do instead of swinging for the fences in the first round, I think Tank Bigsby is a great fit simply because he can essentially just slide in and take that Zeke Elliott role except be slightly more efficient. Um, and so they can keep Tony Pollard and what he was doing, not have to overload him, mm-hmm. allow Tank to get some goal line carries and some short yardage. And then you come next year and check the concept, contract situations, and then you can go from there as whether you think he can be a bell cow or move on to somebody else. And that's the exact reason I had Roshan going to Dallas or Charbonnet. I know I mentioned that. Just everything Gent said, I echo. Taylor, who are you? You're two. So um, I have uh, Kendra Miller going to Houston. I think he'd be a good compliment back to uh, Damian Pierce. I know it, there, there's been the comparisons, like you said, Jance, with uh, Derrick Henry, but I think for those first couple of years, he'd be a good comparison, not to mention he went to TCU. You have that Texas flavor down there in Houston. I think he, like I said, be a good compliment in that run first offense that they're wanting to run down there. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's kind of running that Kyle Shanahan offense. And then my second one is Taj Spears. I don't know what it is. I'm just stuck on the Cotton Bowl. Maybe it's because they played USC. Whatever it may be, neither here nor there. Um, I I think the schemes are going to be very similar in their compatibility between what he did at Tulane versus what he he could be doing potentially in Arizona. So him being that second and being that third down back uh, for Arizona definitely gives him uh, flex options availability. I mean, Dennis, 17 nice. carries for 200 something yards against USC for what was it like three touchdowns, four touchdowns? Right. That, that's it's, it's it's pretty saucy. I'm not I'm not gonna lie with you. Um, even this, if even with the the Pac-12's Olay defense, I mean, come on now, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> but this is why we've been talking yeah. all off season about the depth of this running back class, like. You know, I know you guys had two same names. I had two different names, but like there is genuinely and like 14 running backs that depending on where they go and their draft yeah. capital tied to them, this list could be entirely different. Like, for instance, God forbid, if the Cincinnati takes, I don't know, we'll just float out Israel Bonaconda and Joe Mixon's bye-bye and they take him in the third round, yeah. hold your butts. He's going to be Damian Pierce, like mid first round pick. Yeah. I would say the same thing with pretty much any of the running backs, like Ty J Spears. If he goes to the Chargers and Austin Eckler's not there, holy balls, everyone's going to freak out and going to try to draft him. So right. just be patient, inhale, exhale, and just remember, as of the time this was released, you have one more day to acquire first-round picks before all of a sudden those prices skyrocket. Because in dynasty circles, once the rookie, once the NFL draft happens and rookies are tied to teams, there is more certainty that comes with the draft pick of who you're going to get or who you are going to be able to get most likely – so that draft cost skyrockets. So just brace yourselves, send out trades. Like I'm going to keep doing to several people over the next couple of days until this gets released, but it is what it is. Um, okay. Let's move on to, oh, did you say you had a question for us earlier? Remember? Uh, I did. It was the Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet. I appreciate you for okay. bringing it up though. 
Thank you, sir. Gold star I have, a, I have a question for the panel. Nope. nope. We're past it. We're past I it. Have, no, no, no. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. I, 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 I take my time. I've been acknowledged. I take my time. Um, quick, real quick. Out of the running backs that were not mentioned, which of those running backs, and, and y'all can pick whichever one you want, who do you think is going to most likely be the Damian Pierce that all of a sudden jumps up into the, the back half of the first round or early second round that you start hearing the rumblings? Yeah, they're going to be the the starting running back. Do I have to use a guy that's not listed? Because I would say my guy is Israel Abanaconda. I've I've been on that for a hot while. Um, yeah, no, me... I actually would want to use that name as well. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because like Jacob mentioned, out. <laughs> well, I, I think in a lot of people's rankings, he may be running back seven or eight. Um, but I think like Jacob mentioned, in the right place, he could be explosive simply because he, despite his size, he's not a break tackle guy. He's not very elusive, but he is exceptionally fast in long speed and burst. So if he can get into a place like Miami that schematically tends to open holes for running backs, that is your Damian Pierce type of guy for me. If it's not him, maybe maybe it's like a Kenny McIntosh who's not getting a lot of talk, but he's he might be the second best pass catcher in this class here. Um, so I'd be interested to see where he goes. I'll also just throw out a name that's off the beaten path. I'll say Zach Evans, um, just because okay. I mean, the talent is there. The ability is there. It's just, is the will to play football there for Zach Evans? We went from talking about him being a potential top three rookie pick to now, I think he's sliding back into the late to mid seconds just because of the waxing and waning. But that's a good question. I appreciate you, Taylor. I try. I You've try. been acknowledged and now unacknowledged. Shun. Moving on. <laughs> We're going to go to the wide receivers. Um, so this one is, it's more delicate because there's a lot of quarterbacks that have to be involved. But so for me, as I mentioned earlier with CJ Stroud, I think if um, JSN goes to Houston, I think that would just be a great carryover because like we talked about, it's copycat league. Players who play together kind of all of a sudden showed up out of blue after Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow started doing their thing. So I have JSN in Houston. Uh, Gents, you have him in Green Bay, and then Taylor also has him in Houston. Uh, so, Gents, give me a Green Bay spiel. I know we, that you kind of talked about with me previously, but carry on. Sure. So, well, let, let's 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 go from here first. Is that you'll notice I don't have Houston labeled for any of these receivers. That's <laughs> obviously probably not going to happen. They're going to take somebody. It's simply because of all these places, they're probably the place I like the least offensively when it comes to perfect fit. So I realize, yes, someone will be there, but as far as these players themselves, obviously I have them went other places. Yeah. Your answer your question, I think Jason figures to be great in Green Bay simply because he would be the type of player they're missing. They have two outside receivers. They don't have much of a tight end presence anymore, and Randall Cobb's no longer there, so they need somebody to man the slot and man it effectively. That lines up with exactly what Jackson Smith and Jigba obviously does, getting open in small spaces. And it seems like management finally wants to surround their quarterback with as many weapons as possible. <laughs> Doctor, it's weird they uh, waited this long. They actually finally come to their senses. If that's the case, I think that builds a nice young core of offensive skill talent for Green Bay. I, I do agree that he would probably he would step in as the wide receiver one for that team, even if he yeah, runs he, out of the slot. He he might. It's hard to say, but it's possible that out of the gate he could be the best receiver on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not going to doubt that at all. 
Um, moving on to um, next guy, we have Jordan Addison. So originally I have I had him with the Chargers slash the Vikings just because of the type of offense they run. But I just deleted the Vikings off my list because I think the Chargers is just the sweet spot for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jance, you have him there as well. And then I believe Taylor does has him at, with the Chargers as well, as well as three other teams. Shocker. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. But I think we can all just say that if Jordan Addison goes to the Chargers, he will firmly insert himself into that 104 conversation in rookie drafts um, just because, you know, Keenan Allen's 30-something years old. He's starting to slow down a little bit. Mike Williams, he's always been the guy that we've talked about of having great expectations, but he's always fell flat. And I think the um, the team is kind of seeing that and recognizing that. I mean, last year they took George, Josh Palmer in the third round. Um, so I just, I just think that there's an opportunity plus – to tie him to Justin Herbert for the duration of their careers, most likely that's hot. And if that happens in the first round, you're guaranteeing five years with those two players. And I could see them having a fantastic connection and like a ceiling being a top 10 wide receiver, probably not, you know, top two, but I could see a ceiling being top 10 and his floor being 20. Like he'd be one of those nice, comfortable wide receivers. You can just lay your head down on and take a nap with. Anything yeah. with that? No, I was going to say uh, I'll change my pick just for flavor. I would love to see him in Pittsburgh, be able to re-team up with his uh, former quarterback and Kenny Pickett. And, you know, with the the wide receiver needs that Pittsburgh has, I, I think it's a good fit. Hey, dressed it with Allen Robinson. What are you talking about, you fool? <laughs> yeah, because we all know that's the long-term solution. Since Obviously, he doesn't the die. Rams, since the Rams are paying $10 million of his salary. Uh, now we'll, we'll branch into someone that's got a little bit more questions to him. Uh, we'll go Quentin Johnston. I have him in Dallas. Jance has him in Baltimore. And then Taylor, I believe you also have him in Baltimore or Dallas. You cop out, copycat. Um, so, Jance, Baltimore, is it just the need, even though Rashad Bateman's lurking in the shadows somewhere, is it just like the overall need for talent at the receiver position? I think for me, it's just the smoke's been there. I mean, he gets mocked a lot to Baltimore. And though Rashad Bateman is there, he hasn't shown himself able to be healthy yet. Um, that goes even back to his time at Minnesota. And Odell, in the past, has been able to be flexible to play out outside or the slot. Um, and so I think he's just another big body guy that can get in there and get a lot of touches. Now, if he were a truly a possession or high point type of player, it probably wouldn't fit as well schematically. But for mm-hmm. me, the way he plays is honestly much more – screen passes and yards after catch kind of guy, even though he plays the outside. And that's not somebody they have in Baltimore right now. I feel like he is a taller Marquise Brown, not as fast. Uh, Taylor, I'll let you talk about Quentin Johnston in Dallas real quick. Well, I mean, TCU product, Jerry loves to make a splash. Um, Not to mention with the speed, I think he'd be a good compliment to CD lamb because CD lamb wants to play kind of more in the slot position and be able to, kind of give more flavor. Whereas Quentin Johnson, I would love to see them both on like jet drags is coming across, you know, giving Dak some options there and just having the speed and being another big play receiver down the field where CD lamb can come across the middle. I think it'd be a great compliment to each other. Yeah. Cause that's the only route he can run is drags. He can't run routes. <laughs> Look, I mean, Des was able to what make a career out of two, two routes. Well, basically. Hey. Hey, but Des was great. He caught the ball with his hands, not his chest. Look, 
I mean, I'm not saying it's not. Mattered, apparently. Oh, we True. won't talk about that. Listen, today's oh, terms, that's still a catch. Like, I don't care who you are. Jance, I remember being I, at your house for that moment. I, I I'm, I'm really not trying to start drinking early on a Monday, but you're... <laughs> <laughs> you get me to get the week started early. That was, that was, that was, whew, that was a moment. Um, Josh Downs. <laughs> I have Josh Downs going to Carolina, which means with my perfect fits, he'd be pairing up with Bryce Young. Um, Jance has him with Buffalo. And then Taylor, you have him also with Carolina. So I'll just kind of start off. If he was in Carolina, I feel like he fits the need for a receiver that they don't currently have. Mm-hmm. They have big, tall guy who can run fast and DJ Shark. They have the ghost of Adam Thielen. <clears throat> They have Terrace Marshall who's lurking in the shadows. I feel like Josh Downs would be a hometown product that they could put butts in seats with to go with the rookie quarterback, and he could run routes out of the slot. And I know Josh Downs is a guy that people either love or hate. Well, guess what? I love him. I think he's my wide receiver probably five, four or five. I think he's four. One, two, three. Yeah, four. Um, No, three. Yes. Count Dracula. One, two. <laughs> um, the hilarious YouTube video count counts. It was hilarious. <laughs> but, um, I just think that he could soak up, you know, the underneath intermediate targets from a very accurate intermediate quarterback in Bryce Young. Um, Jance, Buffalo, is it just once again they don't have that player anymore? But, or you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I think they did. They are expected to probably use Khalil Shakur. I, I might be getting the name wrong. Yeah, you're right. uh, but the re- the reason why I want to put him with Buffalo is I like Josh Downs as well, but it, you hardly ever see somebody his size be successful yeah. in the NFL. I think if he's going to be a successful NFL player for you know the real league as well as fantasy, is he's going to have to be the number two on a team. I don't think he can win as a one, but mm-hmm. I think for him to be successful in the league, he's going to have to have like the Wes Welker type of career path. He's mm-hmm. obviously much more athletic, but I mean, pair him in an explosive offense. And knows how to use him underneath and get him in space. If they can do that, then I think he can be very successful on your fantasy team. And Buffalo certainly profiles to be that way. Stephon Diggs is obviously the one. Gabe Davis, we have question marks on. Mm-hmm. They get him an offense that's going to score a lot of points, move the ball mm-hmm. down the field, and give that offense something they haven't had really since uh Cole since Beasley. Cole Beasley. <laughs> that's that's the underneath playmaker I mean, with much more explosiveness. Cole Beasley was like, what, 30? It was like 29, 30, 31, something like that. And he caught 80 something passes for 900 yards. Like you may give him a more athletic player. And that's probably 90 receptions for, yeah, 90 receptions for like 1,205 touchdowns. Um, We'll go to Zay Flowers next. I have Zay Flowers in Chicago. Jance has Zay Flowers in Dallas. And Taylor does not have Zay Flowers anywhere. So I'll just let you exist since you have 12 people going to Dallas. You're such a homer. Um, (laughs) Jance. Zay Flowers going to Dallas. Why do you have him going there? Is it once again? I feel like we're at the position where now we're saying like there's an obvious need on the team that they could fill. Yeah, this one's more for me, honestly. Is that we hear <laughs> we hear Dallas you know, running back box to them, but more recently we've heard a lot of receiver talk. I think that makes sense because Brandon Cooks is there for this year. Yeah, we don't know what's past this year, and Zay Flowers might have the most flexibility of anyone in this draft, and that he played a lot on the outside as well as the slot, so he can do both despite being only five nine. And we've seen it from CeeDee Lamb that he could play outside of the slot as well. I think Brandon Cooks, as he gets further in age, will probably be more isolated to being more of a downfield straight line kind of guy. If that's the case, then you can have CD and Zay Flowers both interchange slaughter outside depending on the situation. And he's moved up to probably be my wide receiver three or four. And Gross. so I just want Dallas to have somebody I like a lot. <laughs> I respect that. I haven't gone to Chicago. Obviously, that means for me he'd be a second-round pick. 
still not a bad thing. I just think that team now, now, yes, they have DJ Moore on one side, they have Darnell Mooney, but I think Zay Flowers is, well, if he gets the draft capital, will actually be better than Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney flashed. He's a great deep downfield threat, but outside of that, there's not really much. Uh, Taylor, of those two places, where do you want Tim Moore? Dallas, because you're a homer, right? Speaking of Dallas. Don't talk about tight ends. I don't care. No, 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 no. no. I wasn't going to talk about <laughs> that. Um, right now, uh, there's some speed or some smoke picking up on Jalen Hyatt going there as the wide receiver, too. If he gets drafted in the first round, whatever team does that, I think is making a fatal mistake when you can get a cheaper version of a more productive of, of Jalen Hyatt, known as Marvin Mims or Tyler Scott or Trey Palmer or, uh, oh, what's what's the other guy? Malachi Wilson or whatever from Stanford. Yeah, but but you know now they're all about the, uh, you got to have that fifth year extension. You, you got to be able to cares. control their fifth year. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying i said the smoke is picking up i didn't say that the validity of it calm down Jeez, i haven't completely lost my marbles i refuse um i'm gonna go clearly to, not drink I'm your gonna, cocoa milk <laughs> i'm gonna go to one of my other players that i've been bleeding about all off season um reishi rice i think he would be an excellent addition in new orleans uh, opposite of chris alave I think Michael Thomas is El Dunzo. They have Raheed Shahid, who weighs about, you know, approximately 48 pounds in a trench coat in the middle of the rain. Um, I just think Rishi Rice, he has the ability to go up and make difficult catches. If you go, sorry, Taylor's got me giggling. If you uh, if you go watch game film of him, he can make <laughs> the ridiculous catches and he can get open. He's Six foot two hundred. He can get downfield. Uh, I just I like Rishi Rice. While Taylor composes himself, gents, uh, like carrying around ankle weights. <laughs> gents, what would you think if Rishi went to New Orleans? I think it makes sense um, considering his body type and his play style. They really don't have it at New Orleans, um, so I'm all for that. Um, man, I'm totally blanking on somebody that I want to talk about from Mississippi wide receiver, Jonathan um, Mingo. Yeah, totally raw type of player. Yeah, he's guys crept uh, onto my boards. By the way, uh, we should have brought him up earlier, but I was trying to keep him a secret. Yeah, we, huh? we should have. I don't have a destination for him. I just wanted to say his name because it's very AJ Brown esque. It just except yeah. it's way more raw. I mean, listen, he's been getting talked about in the second round, just kind of out of nowhere. It feels like, and literally, I think it's just because it's excessive. But yeah, I kind of get it. It's literally just because he's six one, two fifteen. That's it. And runs really fast. Yes, and runs really fast in a straight line. Other than that, I mean, it's it's all shoulder shrugs. Uh, Taylor, you... <sighs> no, no, no. Before you go there, I have a no. question for the no. panel. <laughs> what? I have a question for the panel. <laughs> what? Do you, do you think AT out of Wake Forest is this year's version? Yeah, do you think A.T. Perry is this year's David Bell where they just like go off into obscurity like in Cleveland and we don't see him and then all of a sudden they may pop up in three years? Or do you think, you know, he was just a great college player that may or may not pan out in the NFL now? I mean, there was, me, there was a lot of talk I felt like in the middle of the year and now oh, yeah. it feels like it's really starting to simmer. For me, he falls into that category of like A.T. Perry, Xavier Hutchinson, Parker Washington out of Penn State. Um, those three guys... I'll be very tuned into where they land and when they land on a team. Yeah. I think all three of those guys have the ability and the talent to do something at the next level, but it's going to be very pertinent on where they go. Like for instance, if AT Perry goes to the Browns, 
I care, but not that much because I feel like as long as Nick Chubb is there, they're just going to keep running the ball straight through the middle, even though they've already came up and said, we want to pass the ball more. Whatever. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, <laughs> right. But, I mean, he, he definitely falls into that cast of characters that the draft will reveal his rookie and his dynasty value. Yeah, um, that's, that, that's what I got with that conversation. Yeah, it's the same for me. Whenever you get down to those fringe players, guys that are going to late in the draft or even undrafted, it goes into what's their situation. Mm -hmm. If it's a place that does a good job of using skilled talent to their strengths, then I'm in. If it goes to a place that doesn't, then they'll probably be very forgettable to me. Like here, Here's a very difficult quick question before I let Taylor make me want to cry for about a minute and a half. Um, if one of those guys gets third or fourth round draft capital to the Patriots who are in desperate thirst need for wide receiver, and yeah, they can probably draft some of their small dude, but like, does that make him kind of creep into early third round consideration just because the possibility of opportunity or are we just still, it's the Patriots. They suck at drafting I, receivers. I, I think it does in that unique situation to where they just don't take anybody else until that point, and then he's the next guy up. I think he has to get bumped up because of the potential usage. It's just a matter of can they stick long term for your dynasty mm -hmm. team. But once you get to the third round, we're not we're not you're taking upside shots, we're baby. Dart, we're taking dart throws. <laughs> you're sitting there praying like, man, I just hope you work out for one game. Uh, Stenson Bennett with the third round, twelfth pick. Taylor, stop it. I'm going to start a timer. Chance, you can see this. Yeah. Um, you have approximately one minute to talk about tight ends. Go. So I have Michael Mayer going to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that he can really open up the middle of the field, being able to give uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins that ability to be able to, you know, open it up, maybe take one of the free safeties across the middle and his pass catching ability. And he was able to, you know, show that in Notre Dame. And then next we have Dalton Kincaid. Speaking of Dallas, I think he'd be a great fit to be the next Dalton 2.0 Dalton Schultz. I really do feel like he's a 2.0 there. Great run blocker in um, Utah. And I think that he's a great combination between uh, Jason Witten and Dalton Schultz, be able to be a, a good pass catcher and a top five tight end going into next season i'm proud of you you only took 50 seconds of my life down the toilet <laughs> do yourselves a dynasty favor unless it's a tight end premium league even then don't draft tight ends early it's not worth it buy Stay them for one years. yeah buy them in three years when they actually become useful which is by the way like this might be kyle pitts's year now look it's been three years later he might be a useful fantasy player Look, Jacobs, I'm doing the Lord's work for our podcast and at least covering some of the tight ends. Okay. In the original, I, I, we covered at least two. I don't I know. Two. I don't know what Lord you're talking about because my Lord doesn't have oh. horns and a pitchfork in his hands. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's got really dark really quick. Enjoy the NFL draft. We'll have some fun draft content coming out there. Who knows? We might do a reaction in a you know, super flex mock draft or something on Saturday just to surprise people. And I don't know. We'll, we, we just. Just stay tuned, okay? It's an exciting time of the year. Um, we're stoked for it. Um, send us all of your show suggestions, fantasy questions, commissioner questions, or to our Twitter at misfit underscore ff, or to our email at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Gents, it's NFL draft season. We're pumped. I'm so ready. I, I blocked it off. 
talk to the wife. Don't talk to me from seven to 10 on Thursday. I, I did the same thing with my wife. She's amazing. She, <laughs> she nodded her head and said, I, okay, whatever. Get your Buffalo wings, fellas. It's Ooh, time. Buffalo wings and beer. All right. We'll catch you guys after the NFL draft. Enjoy. Enjoy.